0: I'm Ariane Elfant, and this is Death the Podcast. Death may be defined as the destruction or permanent end of something. At Death the Podcast, we are looking closely at what happens when something ends. We listen, learn about, and discuss the stories that surround the subject of death. These stories bring up much more than feelings of fear and sadness. They offer opportunities for connection, for hope, and sometimes even for humor ultimately, if we are open to exploring death, we create greater potential to experience life. My guest today is Cole Imperi. Perry. I found Cole several months ago when exploring the subject of thanatology, which is the scientific study of death. Cole is a certified thanatologist, and when I stumbled upon her website, hellocole.com, I read all about her and discovered she had so much creative and varied experience that relates to the subject of death. Cole lives in Cincinnati, Ohio, but as fortune would have it, when I reached out to her, she indicated she would be visiting New Orleans for a conference, so we made plans to meet up and have this interview. Before we get started, just a little more about Cole. She is the owner and creative director of Doth, a company that helps people discover and develop their brand. She's a registered yoga teacher and a certified crematory operator. Cole is part of the teaching faculty for the ICCFA, Cremation Arranger Certification Program, and she is a public speaker. Cole has a TED Talk out there entitled, Lifted by Little Deaths. Finally, Cole is associate producer of a documentary, Mortal, which was just released. Through a series of conversations, Mortal seeks to encourage all of us to be more present in life and more open about discussing the end of life. I think it is pretty clear that Cole's passion and interests align well with Death, the podcast. Cole, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me. Wow. <laughs> hearing you say all that stuff? I was like, are you talking about me? <laughs> you've done- Whoa, I did that? <laughs> you, you've done a lot.
0: Um, and what you, what you can't see is how young Cole is to have done um, how much she's done. So tell me
1: a little bit about how and, and why you felt called to the subject of death. When I was 19, um, I actively chose to give up television. And that's kind of an odd thing for a 19-year-old. And I, for whatever reason, I really felt um, a connection to what you do with your time and how you spend your time. And um, in giving up television, for me at that time in my life, I was able to devote myself to study. And I started really intensely studying um, religious, uh, just a variety of religions. I have a, like a degree in Judaic studies. I was raised Catholic. I really dove deep into Indian, um, like into yoga and Hindu and um, Buddhism. And I uh, learned to read and write biblical Hebrew. I wanted to be able to read the Bible. Um, in the native language and understand the linguistics of the time because religion really exists I found after all these like studying it to help us cope with life which helps us cope with death and that's really how I started I didn't know I was going to end up where I am today back then but that's where it began Truthfully, It's an odd thing. Most 19-year-olds are interested in going out and trying to get alcohol and have a good time. And I'm like, no, let's read biblical Hebrew. Well, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I think most 19-year-olds, your average 19-year-old is... Um, is somewhat and even developmentally one could argue that it's that that's supposed to be that way but pretty self-absorbed and it it, it
1: sounds sounds like you wanted to quiet things down yes definitely um and uh... my religious studies sort of led me into uh, a really intense yoga practice and um... study of yoga for years and In the United States, this isn't actually often taught, but most people have had a yoga class or know about it. And at the end, there's this posture called Shavasana, where you lay on your back. It's the very end of class, and you're quiet, and you just lay in stillness. And the purpose of Shavasana, that translates to corpse pose, is to practice being dead. The purpose of yoga is to prepare yourself for your own death. Now, in the United States, we choose to brand yoga as this awesome workout, like get this awesome butt and look really good and be (laughs) flexible. But really what we're doing is supposed to be preparing for our own deaths and building a level of comfort with that. Um, And that was the part, that was why I was into yoga, because I really valued that sentiment, and it really resonated with me. And the people that spend time with death – that whether they think about it, or they meditate on it or they're around it, those people tend to be more present in their lives and they they also tend to be better able to just emotionally connect with a stranger. And that's that's a quality that I wanted in my own life. It seems like that connection of being present to life mm-hmm.
0: and your interest in death and understanding of death that those are very that's a very important link.
1: Yes. So being present its kind of a general sort of thing, but um, a lot of times being present can be really uncomfortable, especially as we all move through parts of our life. Like let's say that there's family conflict going on. Being present would mean you might have to face those family issues or pay attention to how you're feeling about it. Um, one of the issues that I see repeated is um, w- most people grieve outside of the death of a person or an animal that they love. They're grieving a divorce. They're grieving that their kid uh, you know, disappointed them. They're grieving the failure of a business. But most Americans have no idea that what they're experiencing is grief. When we get to end of life, um, and this is something that's tr- um, a lot of hospice volunteers and hospice workers go through this training, um, sometimes at the end of life, some people will have an experience where they're facing all of these things that they were not present with at the time. So end of life can be really hard and really uncomfortable for some people for those reasons because all the stuff that they've carried with them is coming up and it's like now or never because all, then on top of that, it's compounded by, I am dying. I never said these things. I never did these things I wanted to do. And here I am. I'm in hospice and the clock is ticking. It can be very overwhelming.
0: And that, that's one of the things you talk about in your TED Talk, or, or, and are little deaths. Yes. Like, like the end of a job or the end of a relationship, that, that experiencing that grief is really valuable.
1: Yes. It's incredibly valuable. Um, grief is sitting on everybody's shoulder and it's an incredible gift grief is truly honestly one of the greatest gifts in life um the first step is just having an awareness about what are your griefs what are you grieving and it's okay to grieve whatever it is you are just being aware that you're experiencing grief is half the battle so can you talk us through a
0: little death of yours
1: yeah um I can talk about one that um, is very personal and important to me and really shaped who I became. Um, So, I had a little death that happened almost two years ago. Um, I was the victim of assault, Hmm. crime, Um, and it went to court and all the stuff happened. And, you know, and it was really difficult to face. But one in four women go through what happened to me. So, it's very common. Um, it was awful. It was so hard, uh, especially in the first few months afterwards, because you go through these questions like, why me? Why is this happening? And, um, everybody asks those questions when something major and traumatic and awful happens. It's like, why me? What did I do to deserve this? Um, but once I got through that, I realized that I was not a good forgiver. I was not good at forgiveness in my own life. I would hold on to, I would never forget any wrong that someone had ever done to me. I mean, I could just pull, whip it out. I could lift <laughs> it out. You know what I mean? And a lot of people are like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's mm-hmm. like in the U.S., I, it sort of culturally, we're we're really good at remembering who ticked us off. I mean, look at American history, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, so I guess I'm a really good American. Um, but through that really awful experience. I I forgave deeply in my heart the, the individual that did this to me. I mean, truly. And that was the first time that I really ever forgave someone. Okay. And it was incredibly freeing. And um, I'm so grateful that that happened to me. I mean, incredibly grateful. And I wouldn't have gotten there had this horrible thing not happened because I was present with it and I had the angry days. I had the sad days. I had the hard days. I had the despondent days. I had the days where I couldn't even deal with it, mm-hmm. but I was present to it. And that allowed me to get to where I am today. And I am grateful that that happened.
0: Well, and that that seems to touch on another one of the things you talk about in your TED talk, which is resilience. Mm-hmm. Like I hear a lot of resilience as you're talking
1: yeah, so, okay, so when this happened to me at first, I was remembering my, like, my TED Talk, because um, my TED Talk actually came from this experience, what what happened to me. Um, it was part of the, like, healing process. Um, well, there were a lot of days where I was like, where's this resilience? <laughs> like, is there, like, an online store where I can buy some of this? It's like, I-, I needed, like, this battery pack to just, like, get me over some of these really tough days. Um, but it, what was amazing, I found this vulnerability thing. So when really difficult stuff happens to people, whether it's divorce or you know, a friendship fails, we tend to not want to talk about it, right? Because it's awkward. Like if at a party or when you're with a friend or something, you don't want to bring up the horrible stuff in your life because, oh, what do I say? What do I say? But I found that when I became more vulnerable, and just outright shared with my closest friends what I was feeling or how angry I was on one day or how, how, you know, whatever. That vulnerability linked me closer to other people and linking myself and being able to form stronger relationships with other people was absolutely integral in my ability to move through this, find the ability to forgive and to... Um, become resilient from it. One of the things that I can do now, because this happened, um, is I can connect to a lot more people in a much more meaningful way. I can connect heart to heart with them. Um, and that is another gift of grief and another reason why it is beneficial to talk about the hard stuff of life, because you are not the only person. Yeah. Nobody's the only person. Well,
0: it sounds like you really have an appreciation for both sides that like... The fear and even terror that comes with walking all the way face-to-face with what 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 scares us because mm-hmm. um, we, d- we don't know what's going to happen. Yes. B- but then that if you do that, that something can come and result that you didn't have before. Mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm. Uncertainty. Um, many times when we're talking about physical death, like a human's going to die or, or even our pets are going to die, uncertainty is a lot of times the most difficult part. Well, what's going to happen? What does death feel like? Um, there's uncertainty for the family. Like, what's going to happen to, you know, my loved one? What, what do I do while this is happening? Do I stand there? Like, what do I, you know what I mean? Uncertainty is the, in many it might be the most challenging part of end of life for especially Americans because we like to know what's going on. We like to, we, Americans are knowers. Right. Yeah. We're knowers. So death is the big uncertainty. So it's part of what you're saying that the
0: more that we face uncertainty in our in our living world, the more prepared we are for that uncertainty that comes at yeah. the end. Yes. So when you um, were getting your degree in thanatology, tell me about um Tell me a little bit about that. Like, what what is the purpose of studying death yeah. and the wisdom that you gained? And
1: yeah, so I um, just completed my integrative thanatology program of study through the Art of Dying Institute, which is in um, Manhattan. Um, the Art of Dying's integrative thanatology program I really appreciate because they take a holistic view of it. So we learned. Um, every angle of end of life um, we had Frank Ostasecki the founder of the Meta Institute and Zen Hospice there um, we had Dr. Simcha Raphael who is a wonderful bereavement counselor um, one of the th- things that I learned from Simcha I'll, is like this thing that I have in my back, back pocket every day there is only one thing more intimate than Sex, And that is shared loss, shared grief. Like, that's the most intimate you can get with somebody else is when you both have shared a, a loss. Um, I learned from Dr. Tony Bosses from NYU about psilocybin aka mushrooms, um, that are being, uh, there's they're in cl- clinical trials, um, giving uh, psilocybin doses to terminally ill patients to help ease their symptoms, um, depression, anxiety, you know, all kinds of things. And it's working, and it's extremely beneficial, and there's, like, no side effects uh, comparatively to a lot of the other drugs that are on the market. So the integrative thanatology program gave me a very broad and deep um, amount of information about the actual dying process. Um, we learned a lot about existential pain and physical pain, um, lots of conversations about what is consciousness. So, when my body dies, when coal, my physical water sack dies, <laughs> basically, where do I go? Where does my personality go? We can't find it on an X-ray scan. We can't find. We know it's there somewhere, but it's not like a physical organ, right? So where does it go? These are the sorts of um, conversations and questions that we faced, and a lot of people at end of life. That's the first time that they ask that question: Where do I go when my body dies? Because I am not my body. I just live in it. So how are we supposed to handle those questions? So. This is, um, so in, for example, hospice programs, um, there are hospice workers and then there's hospice volunteers. Many times people that are in hospice, um, they'll start to ask questions if they're coherent, of course, about, um, you know, where am I going to go when I die? And a lot of times our religious upbringing is what informs our thoughts about what happens after we die. Um, for myself if I'm ever with someone that is dying. My role is not to tell you all the different theories out there. It's to ask you the questions. Be like, "Well, what do you think? What 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 does your heart think? What does your head think about where you go? What do you feel like happens?" It is not my role to ever tell somebody where we go, nobody knows. I haven't died and come back. I mean, if I did, I could probably make a lot of money because I'd be like, guys, <laughs> I found out what happens when the lights go out by my book. and <laughs> But I haven't done that. And, and we don't know. So it's um, that, that's what presence brings you at the end of life. Life is just, actually, life may be more uncertain than death because we all know we're going to die. Right. Mm-hmm. Guaranteed. Um, we don't know what's going to happen while we're alive. That's what truly that's more uncertain than anything else.
0: Uh, well, I also really want to ask you about about the documentary. Oh, yeah. Mortal that, that did just this week. Right. Yes, it Has been has been released. So really good timing um, with getting to meet you. And so I want to ask about your involvement and, and then ask you to describe a little bit about um how you would language what the documentary is about
1: so mortal most simple way to tell you what the film is about it's about being mortal it's about the fact that we're all going to die it is not depressing it is not upsetting it's not like a super emotional um film by any means um in fact, when I watched it, I watched the whole thing just just two weeks ago. Um, I felt very inspired at the end. Um, there's all kinds of stories, little vignettes that are told throughout it um, with people that are facing loss. There's a woman with ALS. There is um, people who are facing their death because of cancer or because of old age, um, children. And I know that that's sad, right? But keep in mind that we all are going to die and we all don't know when. Um, Mortal is a tool that we all have access to to start practicing that presence with death. We can be present to it by watching something like this. Um, I really like it because it doesn't take you really deep into um, anything in particular. It gives you these quick little visits to all these little stories. Um, And there's probably what I like is that there's something that anybody can identify with in their life. You probably know someone who has had ALS. You probably know someone who's had cancer. Um, and there are some people that are interviewed in this that are true, real deal worldwide thought leaders with end of life, like um, Robert Thurman. So how did you get how did you get involved? I have a distinctive haircut. <laughs> Um, it is purple or blue, and uh, my the sides of my head are shaved. Um,
0: <laughs> Although so, I will say, not as distinctive in New Orleans as probably yes, other places. It's but. lovely.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, so I kind of stuck out, and I think they were like, "Who is that purple-haired girl?" Because she's definitely not a funeral director, because <laughs> funeral directors don't dress like that. <laughs> um, so I was introduced to the team through that. Um, And the Art of Dying conference is every two years in Manhattan. And the next one is in 2017. And it's multiple days, all about death. And there's nurses and doctors and just regular people and uh, uh, bereavement people, grief counselors, social workers that all just come and it's just death conversation. And it's really positive. People hug, they're crying, they're going out to lunch. I mean, it's like if you want to have a death party... The Art of Dying conference is the place to be. <laughs> well, as you're talking about the Art
0: of Dying conference, I'm thinking what most people would think of when they think of, like, just the name alone would be such a turnoff. And Cole's face is lighting up as she's talking about it.
1: Yes. Like,
0: it It really, for you, is does seem like such a calling.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes. I have to say, I I don't know... How I got so lucky to be, I just turned 30 this past summer and I'm like, oh my God, I'm 30 years old and I wake up every day grateful for my clients, just thrilled to be alive and to have another day um, and to be talking about and working with a subject like death, which I know is very uncomfortable for a lot of people. I have very close family members that can't even talk to me about what I do because a lot of people are really scared of death. But- Lean in to it. Lean into your fear of death. It is worth it. It is absolutely worth it. I hear you talking about so many beginnings
0: that have formed as a result of the subject of death for you.
1: Yes. And this happens in a lot of family units too. When, for example, when the matriarch or the patriarch of a family dies, you know, this is what's hard about death is all the people that are left behind, they have to reorganize their family structure. Like, oh, my gosh, we can't have Christmas at grandma's house this year because grandma is dead. So who's, who's going to take it? You know what I mean? But what's happening is it's it's tree building. Our family trees are continuing to grow and spread out and spread out. But we all are connected at the trunk. And um, death is – I say this a lot, so I don't remember – but. Death is salt. Death is the salt of life. And we get doses of salt all throughout our life. And salt is great because it enhances the flavor. So if you are someone that is really afraid of death, really afraid of talking about it, when death comes for you, yourself personally, or a friend of yours dies, or a family member, it's going to amplify those feelings that you already have. If you have presence with death, the salt's going to come, and you're going to feel more present and more open. I can't think, even in my own family when we've had deaths, what's wonderful about it is we're all in someone's house, we're all openly crying together, we're all openly hugging with each other. I mean, you're more connected with your family unit when you are all simultaneously grieving a loss. You don't do that at birthday parties or the 4th of July, right? You don't have that level of connection really anywhere else other than when there's a death. Death is one of the few places on this planet where you can honestly, truly find truth, like real deal, unfiltered truth. The mask comes off. How do you think about your own death? Um, so a part of the Integrative Thanatology program it was a really great exercise. We had to think about what we wanted our, at our end of life. Um, so I had to, I really thought about, and a lot of the questions were like, w- let, let's say that I'm dying of cancer, which statistically I'm probably going to die of cancer. It's just the numbers. Um, what do I want the room to be like? Do I want to be in a hospital? Do I want to die at home? Like, what um, do I want to be by a window? Do I what kind of comfort do I want? Do I want to wear? a certain type of PJs, you know what I mean? Like, these little tiny details. Who do I want in the room with me? Um, Do I want any scents? Like, what death, the the process of dying. Also, I don't want to sound like I'm, like, excited to die because, I mean, I'm not. Like, I have a lot of stuff that I hope to be able to accomplish in my life. But I do feel less uncertainty having given thought to what I would like to be happening while I'm actively dying, whether I'm coherent or not. Um, just sitting down and thinking about what kind of pillow I like and what kind of scents I like, like essential oils or something like that in the room, and what I, if I want people to be standing or sitting, if I want music, just knowing those kind of things and knowing that I have that document saved that my husband can pull up or whoever, that eliminates some uncertainty and I may get hit by a bus and <laughs> that's out the window but um, you know you do what you can just like in life you eliminate uncertainty as best you can. So
0: what what um, I mean I and I appreciate what you're saying about that the kind of intimacy that something like a death mm-hmm. creates mm-hmm. I mean it really does create opportunity
1: yeah but it can be scary when we are not everyone's comfortable with intimacy right? Absolutely <laughs> yeah <laughs> and and I, I totally get that um, but just an awareness that try to lean in a little bit and be aware of it if you are someone that does struggle with that um, because it is it will add beautiful flavor to your life.
0: Well it certainly seems like it's it's doing that for you. <laughs> yes you I are... feel
1: very energized. my work in this field and I feel really fortunate to be around um, so many people that are so much smarter than I am and more trained it's like every day I wake up and I'm like I don't know shit and it's awesome
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's a great perspective (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. well
1: it's been so cool to have you here thank you for the opportunity I love Talking about death and what I do, and I'm really excited about it. Um, there's so much potential for so many people, and I know it's a difficult, uncomfortable subject, but it is so worth exploring.
0: Well, I think you made that really clear. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. The word death evokes all sorts of personal feelings, images, and stories. These stories are compelling, and sharing them connects us more fully to life. I'm Ariane Elfont, and you have been listening to Death, the Podcast. Join us for our next episode in this series. This show is produced and engineered by Eric Merle. Our associate producer is Jill Gross. Our theme music, It Happened, is written by David Milling and is performed by David Milling and Charles Milling. To hear more of David's music, go to his website, davidmilling.com. If you're listening to this on iTunes or Stitcher or some other podcast app, if you can take a moment to rate and review us, that helps other people find us. You can find Death the Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or at deaththepodcast.com. Death the Podcast is a production of INO Broadcasting. labor day signals the unofficial end of summer but not the end of your outdoor projects lowes helps you do it right and helps you save with labor day deals throughout the store shop now and get two bags of stay green potty mix for twelve dollars and keep your lawn looking neat and trim with a craftsman two cycle 17 inch gas string trimmer now twenty dollars off at just 119 dollars whatever's still on your to-do list this labor day do it right for less start with lowes
1: offers valid through 828 soil offer excludes alaska and hawaii u.s only